dear listener, to X-rated. I'm uh, one half of your hosting duo, Ryan Whedon. And I am 50% of your hosting talent, Matt Fisher. Not 50%. No. 50%. Yes. Okay. I'm going to keep that clear so there's no mistake. Although at this point, you know, that, that might be great if people were like, hey, did you hear that 50 Cent has a movie podcast? I don't know what movies he watches. I think it's eclectic. Big fan, over and over again, because it has his... It's got an image of him on a cake. Yeah! <laughs> on like an eight-year-old's birthday cake. Yeah, that strokes his ego in just the right way. <laughs> um, probably Beaches, because he loves Bette Midler so mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And... You think he's just, he's just got the whole like Bette Midler catalog rolling? The yeah. Rose. Hocus Pocus. Oliver and Company, the Disney movie, because Bette Midler does the voice of that dog. That's right. Yeah. I mean, let's let's get him on here. He can pick any Bette Midler movie he wants. Fitty, if you're listening, you're welcome. So come on, pick a Bette Midler movie, and uh, we'll talk about it. Yeah. Should be fun. I always thought it was funny that her name is Bette, because in French, Bette has two meanings. Um, the first one is stupid, and the other is beast. Yeah. So... The belle et bête. Yeah. So you could think of her as stupid Midler, or beast Midler, <laughs> which I think that's the one I kind of prefer. Man, summation of your uh, French literature. <laughs> <laughs> this is the tipping point right here. <laughs> All uh, that study uh-huh. <laughs> to make fun of Miss Midler. <laughs> We could watch that episode of Seinfeld where Bette Midler was a guest, playing herself. What? Yeah. I don't remember that one. It's one of the season finales. Kramer apparently is a big, big fan. Okay. Do you, uh, do you follow uh, Modern Seinfeld? I think oh, Modern a little Seinfeld. bit, yeah. A, I think that's a, that Twitter account that just like posts Seinfeld situations in modern day life. Yeah, some of them are pretty good if I remember correctly. Yeah. I remember one was uh, George gets a job at... Uh, as a social networking consultant. Okay. Uh, and he says, it's great. You don't have to know anything. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, Kramer moonlights as a Uber driver. I think that is one of them. Oh, okay. <laughs> or somebody does. That's such a good premise for a show is to just like get some, uh, get some well-developed characters and throw them into a pot. Yeah. A different pot every week. <laughs> See, see what bubbles up. I think that's uh, the whole premise of a sitcom. Yeah. Let's see why it's such a winning formula. <laughs> uh, as a fan of Frasier, I've always admired how, like, because Frasier was already such a, such a developed character from mm-hmm. being on Cheers, you know, they already knew him pretty well. Like, they already knew how to write the Frasier character right. pretty well. So, like, really, like, every character is sort of created around the Frasier character. Mm-hmm. Like, his brother Niles is, like, is like the only one on the show that can, like, out-Frasier Frasier. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, you have his dad, who's, like, kind of, like, his foil, who's, like, you know, rough and surly and salty. He goes on, like, the other end. All the characters were, like, very, like, smartly crafted around Frasier's character. And that's one of the few successful spin-offs. Vernon Shirley. It's true. Uh, Mork and Mindy. Mork and Mindy's a spinoff? Uh, also of Happy Days. Mindy Mork. was on... Mork. Mork was on Happy Days. Yeah. Wow, that show did jump the shark. Yeah, I know, <laughs> right? 
goodness. I mean, Laverne surely makes sense. It's like yeah. two gals getting about town. Trying to get it, get through life in Milwaukee? Yeah. Okay. I saw a thing where, uh, oh God, what's the, uh, Fred Armistead did a, uh, did his Penny Marshall impression for a book that she wrote. Like she had him do the like book video promotion. Okay. Uh, and it was great. I mean, I like a, I like a person who can laugh at themselves in that way. <laughs> be like, just, you know, just be me. Go ahead. Be funny about it. I don't know. I don't know. That's that's my Penny Marshall impression. What did she direct? She did um, Awakenings. Really? Yeah. Did only, she do um, A League of Their Own too? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I only remember Awakenings because I saw a little press clip uh, right after Robin Williams passed, mm-hmm. and it was like just like a little interview with the two of them, and she the the interviewer asked like you know so what's the premise of the film and. Uh, Penny Marshall goes, oh, it's about uh, people with menstrual problems. Mental problems. <laughs> and Robin Williams leans forward and goes, it's a period piece. Uh, <laughs> uh, I miss Robin Williams now. Yeah, I do too. Although I generally don't like him in movies. Well, I it, it's the same problem I have with Meryl Streep, where like he's good, but he's rarely in a movie that I care about. And, like, the ones that I don't like, it, it's not because of him, necessarily. You know, Fisher King, you know, whatever. Yeah. I have I a tough thinking time with Terry Gilliam, though. Yeah, I was just thinking about Terry Gilliam. I was like, should we put something of his on the podcast? I'm not a big fan of his, no. to be honest. No. I mean, Brazil is great, but I think it's just because it's, it's so f- different. Yeah. You know? Like, I mean, more a lo- than anything. A lot of times I feel, you know... When directors who are like as stylish as Terry Gilliam, it's like they they might be able to like strike lightning like once or twice, mm-hmm. but it's sort of it almost seems like it's more luck or happenstance rather than like their like vision and drive as like a creative force. Yeah, because uh, I can't name too many Terry Gilliam films that I like. I mean, I like Twelve Monkeys. Okay. Yeah. I haven't seen that in a long time, but... I haven't either. I think the last time I saw it, it was playing in a bar with the sound off. <laughs> but visually, I was like, this is interesting. Yeah, I could see that. And it's based off of, you know, the that short story, or Le, that short film. Le Jeté, I think it yeah. was. Is that the one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it's got pedigree that way, if you want to give it a lot of credit. Yeah. <laughs> Terry, if you want to be on the show. <laughs> we'll let you pick one of your movies and defend it. But you can't defend Brazil, because we didn't shit-talk that one. Yeah, don't pick Brazil, because we'll just be agreeing with you. Come on, Terry, quit being a jerk. Can you believe Terry Gilliam? We extend this invitation. God, ego maniac. <laughs> Jeez. That was a mistake. Never again. <laughs> That's the last time we have Terry Gilliam on the show. Do you have any movies that you watched this week that you want to talk about? Uh, I watched Blade. Yeah? Like the 1998 Vampire Hunter movie. Oh, shit. I used, I had forgotten how much I watched it as a youth until like the New Line Cinema logo came up and it was like deep red. Oh, right. As opposed to like the blue black. Right, right, right. Uh, and like for some reason I was like, oh yeah, I watch <laughs> this all the time. <laughs> uh, it hits almost 
all the same late 90s cultural landmarks as the matrix like to a t oh wow almost like it's got like the black leather like the violence the look it, yeah. it's even got like bullet time stuff in there right uh um, doesn't the bad guy like get sliced in a bunch yep. of ways and then like gets pulled back together yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. in the end uh who's, who's the bad guy again uh steven dorf that's what i was gonna say who i remember from a 1997 episode issue of wizard magazine <laughs> that declared him the next brad pitt oh wow they were way off <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it, it was it was and like it has like that same brand of like late 90s techno uh-huh. like unmistakable brand. oh yeah uh it was like a like 97 they're like suddenly everyone was like we need to get electronic music in anything yeah in everything because it's like it's in the matrix and it's definitely in blade it's like the exact same type of i don't even like is it's just techno i think at that point like there was no other or electronica I yeah that's what they called it too yeah uh the opening like uh bloodbath rave uh-huh. still awesome like still a great scene <laughs> Do you think that was like a PSA for for some people to be like raves are bad? <laughs> Go to raves, you're gonna get eaten by vampires. Me, I near like the very beginning, like when a couple drops of blood like come out, like uh-huh. before it's spraying, like right. a couple drops come and like the the one like human dude who's been like lured there, uh-huh. like taste it, I'm like. Do you know how many bloodborne illnesses? <laughs> like, A, this is like a post-AIDS America. Yeah. Uh, but B, like, hepatitis? Other things? <laughs> High cholesterol? <laughs> Can you get that from eating blood? I don't Probably think not. So. <laughs> don't get your medical facts from us, folks. <laughs> I have not done my research on that. I was gonna say, we don't even consult WebMD. Well, my phrenologist says that I'm immune to bloodborne illnesses because I have a bump in the back that, uh, I'm fine. Well, of course you'd think that. You have the furrowed brow of a stagecoach tilter. (laughs) You said you wouldn't bring that up. Would you like to hear something really weird? Yes. That's how I choose to introduce this movie. I like you just did like a little uh, <laughs> hair over the shoulder thing. Yeah. Just, yeah, that's right. <laughs> a little, little share action there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a uh, that's a line from the movie that we're doing this week. Uh, the lovely and amazing American Astronaut. By uh, directed by Corey Maccabee. It's basically his baby, for the most part. Um, stars, directs, wrote, did a bunch of the music, um, did a bunch of the artwork for it too. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I picked this movie because uh, just a flat old X-rated premise <laughs> of I don't feel like enough people have seen this movie, so I want to get it out there and. Like, say, hey, watch this gem already. So, way back when we started the the challenge part, Mm -hmm. 
I remember. So we did the first round, right? And this was this was not brought up. This movie. Oh, really? Not, yeah. Oh, okay. It wasn't until we did round two, and I watched this just by happenstance between our two bouts. Oh, okay. And I saw it, and I'm like, Ryan will love this. <laughs> like, this is right up his alley. Like, and he's just going to be impressed forever. <laughs> And so I was so excited to, like, bring this to the table. <laughs> and I was like, so I got this movie. You're going to love it. It's called American Astronaut. And you go, uh, one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> Anytime I make a mixed CD, I put a song from that soundtrack on there. Yeah. And, like, it totally took the wind out of my sails. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was so let down because I thought I had it. Like, <laughs> I just I was like, I got the lock on Ryan. <laughs> You were right. You were just late. Yeah, late to the game. I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Also, because I was like, "Why didn't he? How has he never mentioned this movie to me?" <laughs> yeah, that is kind of weird. I feel like I talk about this movie quite often. So, but yeah, it it like went by, and yeah, you, you weren't even going to bring it up in round two. <laughs> Why not? I don't know. Maybe I, I assumed you'd already seen it, but that oh. doesn't seem like me. Yeah, I guess. Okay, well then, I'm glad you 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 know that I like it, but like. How do, how do you feel about it? Do you enjoy this movie? I like it, and I'm, I'm glad that I rewatched it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Have you not seen it since that? Since that yeah, time? I haven't seen it since that oh, okay. original time. Uh, and to paraphrase uh, a friend of mine who works in Scarecrow, this is like Firefly, but made for me. <laughs> this just feels like it's, you know, I don't know, it's got that like rugged sort of Western feel that like you're out alone in like uncharted terrain sure but i don't know it's not taking itself super seriously or yeah i was thinking this time around that a lot of the design at least with like the costumes and the in the spaceship is like borderline steampunk almost Mm -hmm. like we're getting close to that (laughs) with this world um which i guess firefly kind of nudges up to a little bit too yeah but um i don't mind it i like it no, even no, yeah. yeah um i felt watching it this time stylistically like this was like the bridge between guy madden and Eraserhead. i feel oh maybe yeah uh it, it has i feel a lot of like the fever dreamish elements of a guy madden movie sure venus is populated totally by women <coughs> Yeah. You know, Jupiter is a mining colony that's, you know, inhabited totally by men. Right. And then you go, like, go pick up a stud from Jupiter to drop it off. <laughs> uh, and all that, like, I just felt like if it was delivered rapid fire, yeah. it would have that frenzied pace of a Guy Madden movie. You can, I could see that, definitely. Uh, but it's slowed down and it's more atmospheric. And Corey McAbee is really. He has an eye... You can kind of tell that this was filmed on real film. Like, yeah. there's a depth to it. It captures the atmosphere really well. Like, there's this scene when it's like he's in the spacesuit and, like, all the dust hits him. Right. And, like, the dust creates this, like, nice atmosphere. Or when they're in the bar and they're, like, smoking, like, the smoke looks really great. Yeah. Or um, just, like, that uh, first, like, series walk when he's, like crossing and it's uh instrumental and there's just like it's completely black uh, but like just lit yeah, barely at all yeah but you can still see the 
like feet landing in the sand. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, and and that's why I say it's like between Guy Madden and Eraserhead. Not necessarily like all David Lynch movies, but it's like when you know you think of Eraserhead as like the scene where like the dust is like going up behind. Exactly. And I just felt like it was capturing that same sort of atmosphere a lot of the time. Yeah. And there's a musical number in Eraserhead. So. Oh yeah, that's right. So there you go. <laughs> Uh, that was one thing uh, I liked. I don't want to say I'd forgotten about it, uh, but it's like when the first musical number that a Hey Boy song mm-hmm. comes on when he's in the bathroom, it's just like, yes, this is like, this is how I want my musicals to go, you know? <laughs> like, just. I don't think I knew it was a musical when I watched it the first time. Oh, yeah. So, like, the fact that there was like a song, I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> Yeah, I, f- I, knew, I knew it was because my friends... So I guess I should mention, when I saw this uh, for the first time, I think it was part of SIF uh, okay. 100 years ago. I was going to say, the movie's from like 2001. Yeah, I think it was part of it, but I, I don't quote me on that. But okay. it was showing at a drive-in somewhere outside of Tacoma. Oh, wow. And um, I, I got to do the whole thing uh, where I snuck in, like, oh buried under God. blankets. And uh, we like popped out, and then we sat in the back of my friend's pickup truck. And we all piled in. We had, like, um, grocery store bags full of popcorn and some oh, beer. Oh, man, like, that's awesome. Yeah, it was it was really, really fun. Um, but uh, my friends, when they asked if I wanted to go along, they're like, we're going to go see this cowboy space musical. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. <laughs> I I need to know no other words about this thing. Yeah. Um, and so I did know it was a musical, but, like, when that first, that first song is such a good song to start off the musical numbers yeah i feel it's because it's just like sets the tone of what kind of music is going to be played um and then you also get like this weird dance sequence uh, yeah it's real they're not professional dancers no yeah and i realized i realized this time through that there's a lot of old men dancing in this movie it's like the the old, old gray mare dancers. Old gray mare, she ain't what she used to be. <laughs> the ain't what she used to be. With their pants down. Yeah, I mean, and there's a pants down scene, so you know. Before we get too far, I nearly forgot. Oh, what is this? Because we're watching a movie concerning outer space. Oh no, I'm really nervous. And because the moon is in space, I got moonshine. (laughs) Apple pie, just like my grandpa used to make. Can't be worse than Jägermeister, though. To the moon! To the moon, and back, hopefully. I'm not drinking all that. No, God. (laughs) Well, yeah, I guess we should mention that this movie starts off at a drinking establishment or bar. Yeah, the uh, the crossroads. It's like the series series crossroads. Series crossroads. Yeah. yeah. So, do you want to explain like the premise at all? Yeah, I mean, well, he's he's uh, he's landing on series to go to the bar to deliver a cat to the bartender, who's going to pay it to the blueberry pirate, and so Samuel Curtis delivers the cat, and in exchange, he gets a girl, a real live girl. In a box. Yeah, and like it's like... a three-by-three three box. Yeah, it's represented by more like a musical cue more than anything. After that, he doesn't know what he's going to do, but then the Blueberry Pirate 
takes a picture of him taking a shit. Well, not him. He gets his henchmen to do it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then he comes over and it turns out they're friends. And in exchange for uh, something that he can do with this woman, quote unquote, Sam has to be uh, the Blueberry Pirates dance partner in the dance contest. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, there's a big dance contest on, on, on series. Uh, and, uh, I, I fucking love this scene. Before you get too far, I love the old man, like the MC old man. Yeah, Tom Aldridge. Gentlemen, is it just me or my balls itch? Yeah, who's like telling like the longest (laughs) bad joke badly? Like he's telling some sort of strange variation of like the Hertz donut. Yeah, like. (laughs) But they're laughing at weird places. Yeah. When he asked his cellmate if he would like a Hertz donut, his cellmate said, yeah. So he gave him a Hertz donut. (laughs) And like the the story just keeps going. Yeah. It's like, this isn't even a joke anymore. This is like art. (laughs) Like, Yeah. Apparently he's a, he's a very famous Broadway actor, Tom Aldridge. Okay. And, um, I went to a screening of this film where Corey McAbee was in attendance and like did a Q&A afterwards. And somebody asked, so like, where did you find Tom Aldridge? And he's like, well, he was this big famous Broadway actor, da 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 And um, right afterwards, after he was done talking to this person, David Hyde Pierce, to bring it back to uh, Frasier talk, mm-hmm. came up to him and was like, I can't believe that person didn't know who Tom Aldridge was. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good Niles impression, actually. Yeah, thank you. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I didn't know him before this movie and he's, uh, he's great. Yeah. I love him. He, but he really throws his back into that part. Yeah. And he's, he's the only old guy in this movie who doesn't dance. He'd make (laughs) a fine Guy Madden cast member. Oh, yeah. He's dead now. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, too soon. But anyway, yeah, the monologue is, it's just fucking hilarious and weird. So in that scene where, like, the henchman, like, take a picture of what's-his-face while he's on the shitter. Yeah. What I found to be even worse about that scene is that they turned the lights off when they left. I know! That's so mean! <laughs> like, to me, like, going to the bathroom in the dark is the worst. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty rough. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, God, come on, be cool, guys. <laughs> I like that you brought it back there because, uh, in my personal opinion, um, the Hey Boy Dancer should have won the dance contest. Mm. Because... He busts the move. <laughs> and I mean, don't get me wrong. I think that the bartender does a great job with his pistol and swinging around. And I love that there's like a momentum that builds towards a dan- dance contest. Because yeah. it's brought up so much, like, because what's-his-face has to be the partner. Mm-hmm. And their dance isn't great. <laughs> no, it's terrible. <laughs> I don't know what the standard is for good dancing in this world. Uh... But I love that, like, it gets to that 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 point, and then it's over. Yeah. Like the it, the movie has like a mini climax almost. Like, you know, I love dance contest, or I shouldn't say I love dance contest movies. I get really nervous in dance contest movies. Uh-huh. Like, uh, you know, there's a uh, they shoot horses, don't they? Like, I get a little tense during that. But like any movie that like involve, like even like Little Miss Sunshine, I'm like, how are they gonna? Ah, ah. <laughs> This one, I, I don't know if I felt quite as tense, but still, I was like, oh man, who's, who's going to bring it? Like, I like, I like, this is a good uh, directoral choice, I would like to, I think, is because right after 
the sequence is over. We don't get like a, and the winner is sequence. It just like cuts to Samuel Curtis on his ship looking at his trophy, you know? Mm-hmm. And like it falls, falls over, he tries to pull it up, falls over, tries to pull it up. And then it's wordless. He doesn't say anything. It cuts to a shot of the blueberry pirate in the bathroom and he has a trophy in front of him. Oh, yeah. So it's just like... It's a great example of using the medium, visual medium, of, like, you don't have to have a line written in there announcing that they have won the contest. You can just show that, like, they are now in possession of the trophies. And, like... And actually, at the beginning, the narr- there's a narrator through, like, the first third, but I feel like it must be... It's, like, after the dance contest, you don't really hear much from the narrator anymore. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, and with narrators, there's always, like, the fear of, like, telling not showing. Right. Uh, but they did a... I, I feel like a very kind of, I don't want to say sly, but uh, a proper use, maybe. They had the narrator talking while, I remember their names, it was, it was Corey and, like, the guy explained, like, his mission to, like, go to Jupiter and then go to Venus. Right, yeah, yeah. And the narrator sort of saying, like, after they talked for a bit and had a, a couple drinks, they were bantering, like, old friends and stuff like that, and, you know... You almost don't even need a narrator. Like, you could just watch the scene with the sound off and get the idea that, you know, they're a little standoffish. Mm-hmm. 30 seconds later, they're laughing and having a good time. Right. Uh, and we should mention that the narrator is the villain, basically, in this movie, Professor Hess. <laughs> it's his birthday. I mean, I know that, I, I know that he's, like, the villain, but... T- He's, like, the least effective villain. And like... He kills so many people. What are you talking about? But, like, does he ever deter, like, the mission? Like, does anything he do actually, like, hold up or deter yeah. the He's always a couple steps behind. Yeah. But, uh, he's a, he's a real strange one. I remember a couple years ago now, I'm gonna say four years ago, on your birthday... Yep. Uh, I posted the Hey Boy song on your Facebook page. I remember that. And I was like, hey boy, have a happy mm-hmm. birthday. And I wrote back, who's this? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wanted to do something like the conversation between Hess and Corey. What's it? What? Uh, his character's name is uh, Samuel Curtis. Samuel, uh, I wanted to do, I wanted to post the conversation that Hess and Samuel Curtis have about, like, singing the birthday song. Uh-huh. I couldn't find it on YouTube, oh, though. But I was like, I still want to do something American Astronaut-themed. Uh, but I really wanted to, like, put that on and be like, what day is today? <laughs> I um, don't enjoy singing the happy birthday song, and I like to avoid it as much as possible. We can't sing it, either. Uh, yeah, no. Because it, it's copywritten. The happy birthday people are very litigious, yeah. so... I cite this movie for why I don't sing it, and that is, I don't like the song. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but, um... So, wait a minute, okay, so... We're, like, 15 minutes into the movie. We've, we've like, barely scratched the surface. I was gonna say, we're still firmly in Act 1. <laughs> and we're still just describing the premise. Yeah. Um, so he basically has to do the the video, video game thing, the RPG video game thing, where it's like... You get one thing here, you bring it to this person, they yeah. give you something, you have to go to the hair. He does. He has to do that. Yeah. Um, so he has to bring the girl to Jupiter in exchange for a boy, which he can bring to Venus to get to the girls, which he can get a body. 
to bring to Earth where he gets the money. That's so like that's the whole right. Uh, an old guy on Venus passed away. The family of this old guy wants the remains, and they live on Earth. And they live on Earth. So the body of the old dude on Venus has to be transported to Earth. The Venusians will not give it up. Without a replacement. Without a replacement. Uh, Venus is populated only by women. A planet of women who can reproduce without the use of men. Unfortunately, if more than three generations go by without introducing new blood, the women become high-bred and even too snippy for themselves to stand. So... It's necessary for them to keep a man around as a stud. So uh, Samuel Curtis has to go to Jupiter. I don't remember why this one man in particular is so sought after. Because uh, if he gives um, the leader of this colony... Yeah, the, the girl. Woman then, like, the three because three the box. boy, the boy that they're that they're picking up is the boy who actually saw a woman's breast. Right. So Jupiter's populated <laughs> only by men. Yeah, they're miners, and they uh, get their rocks off. I get, or I don't know. Like, it makes them productive workers to hear about this boy describing a, a woman's breast. Yeah. And it's like you you can sweeten that deal if you give uh, the leader of these this colony this woman who can he can then have sex with her. And then, like, describe Raise that. Raise her, train her, marry her. Yeah, and which is very make, like, sexist. His description of uh, the woman's breast, like, pale in comparison. Yeah. Which, it's a pretty shitty description, let's be honest. Uh, I So, I love the scene. Like, he comes out, he does his song. Yeah. And then, like, once the song's over, he's like... It was round and soft. Now go back to work. I love that, too. <laughs> also... The boy who actually saw a woman's breast? Mm-hmm. I would hit that a million times. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty cute. It, they uh, say he's 15 in the movie, and I need to like make sure that I wasn't being a pedophile. He's like 23 in the Oh, life. yeah. I think he's the same age as me. So oh, okay. Yeah, he was born older. in 75, if I remember correctly. Oh, he's way older than me. <laughs> God, Grandpa. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he might as well be the corpse they're bringing back to Earth. <laughs> They really use the term boy loosely in this movie. <laughs> uh, but they, they, they get him, he's all skivvied out. Like, he's wearing, yeah. like, like they're dressing him up as, like, you know. Hermes. Oh, uh, yeah, I was going to say Mercury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> he's basically dressed up as the FTD florist uh, symbol. Yeah, yeah. Here's my thing with this movie, and I, I go back and forth on it because I, I feel like you can watch it one way, thinking that it's it's really only about daddy issues and there's no, like, sexual stuff going on between any of the characters, even though it's, like, mostly dominated with men um, and they dance together. And there's lots of, reference, like, examples I can give. Or you could look at it with a, a homosexual lens and kind of see a lot of strange things going on. Like, and it's specifically in this song, there's a part... Where he turns around, he like does a little jump and shows his butt to all the bo- all the miners, and they all chant together. Yes. I mean, it makes it hard not to like make an argument that this is some kind of like a homosexual movie. You know what I mean? Um, a, a little bit. Like, I definitely see where you're going because, like, it is like very. It, it's a male-dominated movie. Mm-hmm. Like, there's like the woman in a box. Yeah. <laughs> that's being, like, sold to someone else. And then there's, like, the planet of women. But it kind of seems... Which they have no use for. I almost feel like it's a pansexual movie. 
Yeah. Because, like, the the boy who saw, like, a woman's... The, or, yeah, the, the boy who saw a, a woman's breast is, like, his official name. <laughs> yeah, that's his character. <laughs> uh, he's talking about, like, on the route there, he's like, what if I don't like it? And, you know, the uh, similar purpose is like, you will. It, it kind of seems to me, like, he's not super anxious to, like, be put out to stud on this planet of women. Right. It's not like he saw a breast and it's all that he can think about and that's all he wants again. Right. He was fine living amongst men. Yeah. Like, he's not... And even once he gets there, he's not like, oh my god, this is the greatest thing that I ever happened I can't wait, to me. yeah. Uh, I feel like it's more, you know, uh, uh, fluid. A little more pansexual. Yeah. That... I mean, but I, but I also feel like... The tension between Professor Hess and Samuel Curtis is like a oh, lover scorned. Yeah, you that's thing. That's how, well, I mean, that when I first watched this movie, that's totally what I was thinking. And um, he just like there's there's the scene where he calls him up after he's picked up the boy. Uh, Professor Hess calls them up, and he's like, "Guess who this is?" Professor Hess. That's right. You got it on the first try. For that, you get a kiss. And then, and then, you know, after he finally hangs up with Professor Hess in that conversation, um, they have a weird justification of like, well, he, I did something that he can't forgive me for. And finally the boy asks, well, what's that thing that you can't give forgiven for? And then it cuts to a musical montage and we never actually get to hear what that thing is. Mm. And I think it has something to do with sex. Gay stuff. <laughs> But that's just, I mean, it doesn't have to be. It it could be. I think I kind of see all musicals as being slightly homoerotic. (laughs) Uh, So maybe my my dar just wasn't turned on for this. Yeah. Um, I can see it both ways. Like I said, like I could, when I, like when I went to that uh, Q&A with Corey McAbee, it definitely was coming across that like he did not intend any homosexuality at all. It It was meant to be just like a movie about daddy issues basically okay so uh i want to get back to the movie but what in the q a like was there any like fun tidbits of information that were was revealed in the q a uh the david hyde pierce story anecdote i really liked <laughs> um what else the uh the scene where rocco sisto who plays professor hess uh-huh. is um kicking up all the sand which is i think my favorite song from this from this movie the okay. party song so good. Originally, Corey McAbee wanted to have a stunt double do it because he was kind of old at the time, I guess. And and Rocco Sisto said, um, "You know, I'm getting up there in, in years, and I'm not going to have a lot of opportunities to do things like this ever again. So I'm going to do it." And he's that's totally him, like flailing and kicking, and and that's hard to kick piles of sand like that over and over again. Sure. So uh, there's probably more that'll come to me, but those are the, that's off the top of my head. Because this is, like, one of the, like, the type of movie that, like, I would love to be at a Q&A at. Yeah. Because we're not going to see, like, a Criterion version of this with, like, director's commentary no. or, like... I mean, there the DVD does have director's commentary, I guess I should say, but I, I just feel like this isn't one of those, like, really coveted movies that, like, we're going to get, like, in ten years, like, a lot of backstory on. Like, this is going to kind of, like, remain, like, a, a cult favorite, like... Yeah. Even amongst, like, people who, like, really follow, like, 
quote unquote cult movies. Like I still feel like this is relatively unknown. Yeah. And that's why that's my main reason for wanting to get it on this podcast. Yeah. yeah. Uh I don't know cuz like I, I feel like I, you know, I know people who like, you know, art films and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I still feel like this is one of those movies that really unless people talk about it is going to be forgotten. Yeah. Okay. So, on <clears throat> route to Venus. Mm-hmm. They pick up a hitchhiker, a, a gimp, and they go to Venus. I they, liked... There's a moment where they, like, of bonding between the boy who saw a woman's breast and um, Samuel Curtis, where they're, like, singing a song together. Yeah. Uh, the Rio Yeti song. No, 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 no you still have the same songbooks you had five years ago. I wondered about that. I was like, they don't make it clear, at least to me, that these that these two had a, a previous relationship. Right. It, it, we don't know what it is. Yeah. But I would almost argue that um, it's like... Man-Boy Love Association? Yes. Because it's like, they had something and then he had to get rid of the boy... Um, and a little nambler going but, on, but he doesn't want the same situation that he had with Professor Hess to happen with this boy, and so this time he's actually trying to like leave the campsite better than Ooh, he. Than I he love got. that we both <laughs> read into it that way. <laughs> oh, that's how. That's an argument I think you could make. Yeah, pretty easily because like he says that, and I mean some things with movies are arbitrary, but like when it comes to like a line in a script that's like shot the way that this is shot like that's intentional like they didn't put it in by accident yeah like they they purposefully put it in yeah and yeah i can't help but think there might have been a little man boy love going on right and it, i mean like I mean, he's 15 right well it's in the movie so Ooh. five years ago <laughs> samuel curtis <laughs> But I mean, you could make that argument. And then there's all then there's also in the gay community the whole like sugar daddy and like sugar baby. Yeah. So I mean, maybe that's something. I've visited the sites. I've tried. <laughs> I've aged out of one. I'm not rich enough for another. <laughs> We're sorry. <laughs> you do not qualify <laughs> for either a sugar daddy baby or sugar daddy. You are too old. <laughs> Please mash your yeah. walking cane into <laughs> the dialing pad now. <laughs> We're sorry, the income you have entered is too low. <laughs> Please put your food stamp code here. Um, what's I doing? They're on their way to Venus. They're on their way to Venus. They get there. Um, the ladies are snippy and uh I, oh, oh, so I want to say about the, the ladies on Venus I'm glad that they're not all just like goddesses you could peg this movie for having like a sexist slant but I do appreciate that at least when they get to like the planet that's populated entirely by women 
that the women look like real women. Yeah. Like, it's not like they're all, like, supple, young, nubile, you know, whatevers. Like, they're a variety of ages and body types. Yeah. And, you know, uh, the this boy, this stud that they brought there is expected to, like, pleasure them all. Indeed. Like, regardless of, like, body size or type or anything like that. Okay. And I, I sort of appreciated that. I was like, okay, at least, like, it's equal opportunity once they get to Venus. Like, they're all wearing, like, flowery robes and whatnot. <laughs> they're, like, but... out of a Jane Austen novel, basically. Yeah, basically. <laughs> but I did appreciate that it wasn't... They they didn't, like, hyper-sexualize the Venusians. Like, sure. They looked like real people. Yeah, if you think about it, the only person that's really sexualized in this movie is the boy. Yeah. So. And I definitely sexualize him. Yeah. Well, how could you not? <laughs> <laughs> He's hot and he looks like Hermes. <laughs> but yeah, that's um that's kind of the end. I mean, it's like they Professor Hess has beat them beat them to the planet and um makes it difficult for uh Samuel to bring the boy who saw a woman's breast to these women and instead they switch out and give him bodysuit and there's yeah. a really good line when he finally comes out that the main woman says that <laughs> Isn't he fancy? <laughs> Which always gets a laugh out of me. But, uh, yeah, Professor Hess is pretty pissed off. He's like, that's not the boy. And then they kind of have a little standoff. Um, but then he just sort of walks away. Yeah, the movie kind of... Ends. Peters out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I've always felt that the kind of this last, maybe third of this movie is a little flabby doesn't really hold up to the promise that the first part has. I, I mean, I don't mind when they're on Venus necessarily. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's all solid because it's, it's still sort of building in to the plot and the premise. Mm -hmm. But I, I feel it kind of ends on like a gossamer note. Like, it just kind of dissipates. Yeah, and it, it's sort of a, it's sort of a um, hack way to end it too where he just kind of says... The narrator comes back in Corey and says... Corey Maccabee is going to dig up your grave. <laughs> well, it's just, it's frustrating because it's like, it just sort of peters out and then it goes, and that's where this story ends and other stories begin. And it's yeah. like, well, I, kind of this story ends. I mean, I want more, you know? Yeah. Uh, and like, it just says that you know, that Samuel goes on to live with the boy on Earth. And then Professor Hess stays on Venus to raise bodysuit. But a boy seldom lives up to his father's expectations. Roll credits. <laughs> but um, all that aside, I think what this movie does does best is style and vision and imagination on mm -hmm. a shoestring. Yeah. Um, it really brings to life this whole world and was shot I don't I didn't know I don't know what the budget is for this but it was not a lot it could not have been a lot no and um and I think the music is great yeah I love and I, and I think it propels the script in a lot of ways um I before I was able to buy this movie I bought the soundtrack and I would listen to the soundtrack which is maybe like 40 minutes I think okay um, and and it was just like in my head watching the movie you know cuz it's in order and uh they they use a little a few quotes here and there from the movie um it's recommended for anyone who wants to, who likes the music from this movie. I, I almost feel like this is like a Guy Madden script directed 
by like 1979 David Lynch. Maybe, yeah. Because it's slowed down, like the pace is like taken down a notch, but it still has that like fever dream quality to it. But like the visuals, like it's black and white, but it has like a, a, a quality to it, like a depth to it that I feel that you know, David Lynch in his student days right. was very keen on. So it's, it, I, I feel, and like, I hate saying this because like, it makes it sound like Guy Madden films look bad. They don't. But like, this looks so good. Like, it, it's such a good looking, modestly paced Guy Madden film. Right. Is what I kind of feel. Sure. I'll take that. from the Q&A. Oh, go for it. Um, you remember in the very beginning when he's shaving? Before Without he goes... lather? Yeah. Which Somebody... is like the manliest thing I've ever seen in my life. Somebody asked, how did you do that? Or like, how did you fake it? And he's like, I didn't. It's just one take. Dry razor. Just going for it. No! That would cut <laughs> up my baby complexion. <laughs> I, I was like, how was he not bleeding everywhere? I remember cringing at the theater now when he said that, just being like, oh, Corey. Well, um, this moonshine is really kicking in for me. You've... I know, I've barely touched it, but... Uh, Here we go. I'm going to be the drunk one on this podcast, aren't I? (laughs) Well, this time. Who knows what next week will bring. Uh, Speaking of next week... Me being drunk. (laughs) What what would you like to follow um, this movie with? All right. So, you know how usually we sort of react to one another's picks? Yes. Getting rid of it. Oh. My next movie is is 100%. I just, I want to watch it and I want to talk about it and I want to talk about it at length. Okay. No other reason. I'm excited to hear what it is. You don't need to write it down because you will remember it. The Grand Budapest Hotel. Okay. Okay. Uh... I just want to watch it, and I just want to talk about it. Like, I have no other reason for picking it other than that. Great. I have a lot of feelings and thoughts about Wes Anderson. Okay. And uh, especially late, late term. Okay. Late term. Jesus. Oh, man. Late era Wes so Anderson. Late. Moonshine, what have you done to me? <laughs> why, why is everything going dark? I can't see anything anymore. So, yes. Next week, cool. Grand Budapest Hotel. Excellent. We'll get to see... Tilda Swinton and Old Face. My favorite. Gray Face? Wrinkle Face. What is it called? Hmm. Until next week. <laughs> uh, let's plug our junk. We're on Twitter at X Rated Movies. Or on Facebook at Rated X Movies. Um, we also have a very great email through uh, the Google people. Gmail is the name of their of their email service if you didn't know. And our uh, email address for that is x.rated.movies at gmail.com as you will. Oh, that's all of it. That's it, yeah. Just, you know, tell your friends. Tell all your friends. Yeah. Every day if you have to. Uh, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, like uh, especially like the, the rate review. If you subscribe, like we appreciate it, but it doesn't help us. <laughs> 
So, uh, review, subscribe. That, like, pushes up us up a notch. Yeah. And, um, thank you for listening. Alright, we'll see you next week. Next week. Next week. Bye. Bye.